All right, what's up, New Life? How are you doing? Everybody doing well? We're so glad that you're here. I want to welcome everybody who is joining us online today. We're so glad that you joined us. Everybody at our North Platte campus, we love you guys. We're glad that you're here. And everybody at the Kearney campus, hello. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here. And so just everybody, uh, whether you're sitting alone at home, you're at our North Platte campus or right here, on the count of three, I just want to, I want you to just to shout out your name, okay? Do you know what your name is? All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Okay. All right. Now, what name stood out to you? Mine was Jeff, Pastor Jeff. What name stood out to you? Have you ever been in a crowd of people, maybe at the mall, shopping, and you heard your name? You heard someone say, Chris, and you, you look, you make eye contact with somebody, and you realize that they're not looking for you, right? But you, you hear your own name. We're, we're tuned in to our, our own name. So my name's Chris, as I said, and I've been called a lot of names in my life. How many are with me? Chris is one of my favorites, (laughs) but one of my most favorite names to be called, and some of you are going to identify with me on this, is dad. How many dads in the house, you would agree? Dad is is one of the favorite names, and daddy, I love daddy. Chloe still calls me daddy, my youngest. And so I I just, by by the way, fatherhood is one of the greatest gifts that God's given me, and so I, I just want to share with you a picture of my kids. Here are my kids. This is Chloe, she still calls me daddy sometimes, and Juliana, who's a senior, and my son Ryan, and so those are my kids, and if you're a dad, feel free to take out your phone right now, pull up a picture of your kids and show your neighbor. But fatherhood is a blessing. Did you know, or have you ever thought of Jesus as father? I don't know about you, but that's not always something that I think about when I think about Jesus, God the Son, Jesus. I don't always think about him as Father. Well, we're in a series, and it's called They Call Him, and we're looking at a prophecy about Jesus, and there are four different names that uh, the prophet gave to Jesus, and so there's this interesting name that the prophet Isaiah attributed to the Messiah that we're going to look at today, and so let's go to Isaiah 9, verse 6, and, and here's what it says, for a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders, and by the way, just in that one sentence is a great, it's a great sermon right there, I'm not going to preach it today, but just about the authority and the kingdom of God, and then it says this, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, and everybody say this next one with me, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And today we are looking at this name, a very unique name, a very intimate name that Isaiah says the Messiah will be called and it's Everlasting Father. And I, you know, I wonder how many times we've read this passage, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've read this passage before, or maybe you've, you've been to church at Christmas time, you've heard this passage. I wonder how many times we've read read it with the profound meaning of that name escaping us, Everlasting Father, about Jesus. If you've been around Christianity or church for any time at all, you, you don't necessarily know Jesus as God the Father. You know Jesus as God the Son, right? And so how can Jesus be the Everlasting Father? 
Well, my prayer is that after today, that this name will have a greater meaning. And in fact, our, our desire for this whole series is that every single one of you who hear this message will go into the Christmas season and in your heart be able to recognize Jesus and how he fulfills these names in your life. And so how can Jesus be everlasting father? Well, to set the context of why we need Jesus to be known as to fulfill this name everlasting father, I want to set the context, to paint the picture for you by introducing you to another father, a father that many of you have heard of, but maybe you've never thought about him as your father. And it's the very first human father, and his name was Adam. And Adam started this whole problem that plagues all of us from him up to today. It's plagued us all. It's impacted us all, this problem called sin. So look what Romans 5.12 says about our first father. It says, when Adam sinned, Speaking of Adam, the first man in the garden, he broke God's commandment. When he sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death so that death separate or spread to everyone for everyone's sin. So this is our first father, Adam. Now, I, I recognize that the word father, the title father, can stir many different emotions and different emotions in different people. Maybe you had a wonderful father, such as I did, and such as my children have. Um, <laughs> but, but perhaps you had a father that disappointed you. And so I recognize there are many different emotions, but one thing's for sure, we can thank our first father, Adam, for the problem of sin. So God told him, Adam and Eve, do not eat of this tree, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when Adam chose to do that, when Adam sinned, the result was, and I want you to get this, that sin, singular, as in a disease, sin was transferred to all of mankind. So the activity, the behavior of breaking God's command did something more than just disappoint God. This nature of sin was transferred to all of humanity, and I'm not talking about a physical transfer, such as great looks and a chiseled physique, again, such as I have, but I'm talking about a transfer in the very nature, the core of all of humanity. It's in the, the nature of who we are, and we call it, the, the Bible calls it the sinful nature. And if we live by the whims of the sinful nature, it keeps us from experiencing all of the names of Jesus. It keeps us ex from experiencing true life here and now. And ultimately, you need to understand, it impacts our life in eternity if we live according to the sinful nature. Because guess what the sinful nature causes us, leads us to do? To sin, right? That wasn't a trick question. Our sinful nature leads us to sin. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages or the byproduct of sin is death. And he's not talking about a physical death that every, everybody gets to experience. He's talking about a spiritual death. He's talking about eternal separation spiritually from God. And so we can thank our first father for, for that transferring that nature within us that wants to sin. So let's think about Adam's sin in the garden. God told him, once again, you can have anything that you want. You can eat of all the trees, but do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Father God tells his son Adam, our first father, don't eat of this tree, and he doesn't anyway. Parents, can you identify with Father God in that, right? 
Don't do this, and he does it anyway. And I want you to get this. The issue was not about the fruit. The issue was not about necessarily even what he did and how disappointed that God was in him eating this fruit, that this fruit's going to, you know, give you diabetes, you know, this fruit's going to do something bad to you. God, here, here's, here's the issue. God was saying to him and to Eve that I know what is best for you. And if you will choose to surrender your will and follow my will and obey me, then you're going to live forever. You're going to have everlasting life. But Adam acted upon the lie that there was something better available to him than doing life God's way. And when he chose to sin to break God's command, within him, transferred to us, was this nature that wants to sin, this nature of independence, this nature of me first. And so from then on, from Adam to today, man not only faced the consequences temporarily for sin, and we understand those very clearly when we sin, there's these temporary consequences in this life, but also this ongoing struggle with our nature that wants to pull us back to be in our own authority, the desire to be self-focused, the desire to be in charge, the desire to make our own decisions. And wouldn't you agree that that issue sums up all of mankind's problems? In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he was the pastor of the first century Jerusalem church. In James chapter 4, you can read it later, he says, he sets this up this way with a question. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. That sums up all of our issues that this sinful, self-focused nature and with this nature to sin. We are helpless to do anything to reconcile ourselves to God. So we need Jesus to be everlasting father because our sinful nature, gang, is never going to stop deceiving us. Look what the Bible says about this issue. It says, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, it did what? It deceived me. And through the commandment, it put me to death. So God's commandment, brought the opportunity for sin to deceive me, thinking there's some better authority, me, basically, to live by, and it caused death. And if you're a Christ follower here today, let me just tell you, or remind you, you still contend with your nature that desires to be its own authority, that desires to sin. Even the Apostle Paul said it. He said in Romans chapter 7, and I know that nothing good lives in me, and now he's having to qualify it because the Holy Spirit lives within him. He says, that is in my sinful nature. So nothing good lives in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Anybody identify with him? I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And he's giving this character of our sinful nature and of that struggle that wants to do its own thing. But I'm so thankful for Christmas. It's, why my, it's my favorite time of year. Because God had a plan before the earth was ever created. Think about that. God didn't just see humanity in the sin that was so rampant in our heart. God planned before he ever created the earth to rescue us. And mankind got, got to experience the genesis of this plan at the very first Christmas in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. 
This plan for God to bring us back to himself, a plan to deal not only with the temporary effects of our sin, our acts of sin, but to deal with the power of sin that works within our sinful nature that will ultimately bring death. God had a plan to rescue us. So the prophet Isaiah, this whole passage that we're reading is this guy that lived hundreds of years before Jesus ultimately was ever born. He said, a Messiah, a Savior is going to be born. And he had this revelation from God that one day a baby would be born, a baby unlike any other baby before him or after him would be born. And if, and as if he is witnessing this event himself, over 700 years before Jesus was born. It was like God gave him a revelation of that time frame. And he said, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be a king. And he will be called. And I believe this was Isaiah's prayer for you today. It's my prayer for you today. That in your life, he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah's revelation of Jesus as everlasting father is really all about our eternal destiny. It's really all about our eternity. You see, we have a choice to make, and every single week at New Life, we present you with this choice that you need to make. It's death through sin, or it's life, eternal life through Jesus Christ. And in this name, everlasting father, we find the answer to the problem that all of us have, all of our family members have, the people that I work with, all of humanity has. We find the answer to the problem. Here's how we find this answer, and you need to write this down if you're taking notes. If you have you version, it's right there for you, so pull it up. And it's this, Jesus is everlasting. Everybody say that with me. Jesus is everlasting. He's eternal. And so you might believe that, but you may wonder, what implications does it have upon my life? Why does it really matter? Well, let's look at another prophecy about the Messiah written well before his birth, by, uh, found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathath, in Beth, let me just say Bethlehem, is that all right? Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, and by the way, who was born in Bethlehem that you know of? Jesus, all right? Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, the king, whose going forth, catch this, are from of old, from everlasting. Jesus is everlasting. In other words, Jesus is eternal. There was no beginning to him. He's the alpha. There's no ending to him. He is the omega. He was and is and is to come. And so Isaiah was saying, or excuse me, this was saying that he will be more than a prophet, more than a teacher, more than just a good man, that he will be, Jesus the Messiah will be the eternally existent God himself. And I, I want to ask you, maybe you know the answer to this question, maybe not. What is the foundational core doctrine of Christianity? Let me just tell you, it is that Jesus is the eternal God himself. He is God who came to die in our place. He came to deal with sin that was brought on by our first father that was carried out through our actions of sin. No one else, no one else could pay the price for our sin. No one else was worthy enough. No one else could die in our place, nor anybody could afford the price for our sin. So not only is Jesus everlasting, 
But get this, and, and maybe you've been thinking about this lately. I, I know that this week, especially at our Carney campus, we've just celebrated the life of two individuals who've gone from this earthly life to eternity. And so I know we've been thinking about this, that God has set eternity in our hearts. It's, it's something intuitively that we know that this life is not all that there is. And the Bible even says that God did it in Ecclesiastes. It says he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. We can deny it, but deep inside we know that there must be more than this life. That God created us for eternity. That God created us, in fact, to be everlasting. So, if because of Adam and because of my going along with his, the nature that he transferred to us, if because of my sin that separated me from an eternity with God, then it will take an eternal God to bring me back, to rescue me. John, in the Gospel of John, on another name for Jesus, he gave Jesus this name called the Word. And he says this in John chapter 1, In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally, with God. That's from the Amplified Bible. I love how it says that. The baby that was born in Bethlehem on that starry night is the everlasting God Himself. Through Him, everything was made. You were created because of Him. And through Him, all things are sustained. So Jesus is everlasting. But let's put it all together in this phrase, Jesus is everlasting Father. Would you say that with me? Jesus is everlasting Father. Now, this may be the part of the, of the name that could be confusing because, after all, Jesus is not the Father in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is the Son. So how can he be called the Father, the everlasting Father? Well, it's interesting that the, the Hebrew word for Father here is Ab. And it has this basic definition of a father of another person, but it has this deeper meaning. And I want to share it with you because I think it's going to shed some light on how Jesus is everlasting father. It also means head or founder or author, originator, producer, generator. He is the source. You following with me? In fact, the Hebrews were known for referring to people as the father of or inventor of such and such, the father of, the generator, the originator. So what is Jesus the father of? Well, to address this, let's compare the first father, Adam, with Jesus in Romans 5. It says this, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Jesus the everlasting God was and is the father, the originator, the generator, the initiator of everlasting life. The everlasting father, Jesus, the originator of everlasting life. So you might be wondering, how is it possible? And I'm speaking to those that you've yet to surrender your life to Christ. Maybe you're exploring who Jesus is and you're checking out church. You're trying to see if Jesus can be trusted to surrender your life to. And you might really be wondering, how is it possible for me to have a right relationship with God? How is it possible for me to know Jesus as the everlasting father, as the eternal father who can give me eternal life? 
Well, our need is grace. And we can understand that. We've already talked about sin, the sin issue. Because of the sin issue, we need God's grace. We need God's undeserved favor just to be given to us because there's nothing that we can do to earn it, right? So, so the need is grace, but the doorway is faith. The doorway is faith. You see, God's part was sending his son Jesus, the everlasting father, to provide grace. Our part is to put our faith in the crucified and risen Son of God, Jesus, the Father, the originator of eternal life. The good news, here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus is the source author of faith. The doorway to eternal life is faith, and guess what? Jesus is also the Father of faith. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 12. We must focus or fix our eyes on Jesus, the source or the author and the goal or the perfecter of our faith. He saw the joy ahead of him, so he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace it brought him. Now he holds the honored position, the one next to God the Father on the heavenly throne. Once again, reiterating that he is not dead, he's alive, he's the eternal Father. And it's by God's grace. And so I I need to put my trust in him. We say it this way all the time at New Life. We, We use this word surrender. Surrender is simply the action or the byproduct of faith. Surrendering to him as our Lord and our leader. So it's good news that he's the author of it. He's the generator of it. He's the father of our faith. And he's the perfecter. He's the goal of our faith. We can look to him because he lived a life honoring the Father. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, you are a benefactor of his name, everlasting Father. Aren't you thankful for that? Through the application of faith, we receive God's grace, we inherit eternal life, and we get to experience Jesus as the everlasting Father. Jesus is the originator of this reconciliation. And in that, he's our everlasting father. And because of that, we can join Isaiah. And in this Christmas season, we can celebrate with worship in recognizing Jesus as everlasting father. If you're exploring whether to trust Jesus as your Lord and leader, can I just give you a picture? A picture of the decision that you are facing The decision that you have today is will I continue to live my life on my own terms? Will I continue to follow the whims of my sinful nature? Will I like my first father Adam and that decision he made to break God's command? Will I continue to live according to that nature inside of me that wants to do its own thing? Or will I surrender? Will I trust that Jesus is everlasting father? And that he has the power to give me new life. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says this. Just as everyone dies, because we all belong to Adam. Here's the good news. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. First father brought death. This father, the everlasting father, brought life. And so it's Christmas time. It's the only holiday that I extend beyond the day of the holiday. It's the Christmas time. It's Christmas season. And will you join me? Will you recognize Jesus as your everlasting father? 
If you're a Christ follower today, will you, as we respond, will you join me just in an act of worship and thank him that he is the everlasting father, the father of eternal life, that this life is not all that there is. You're not created just for this life, but there's an eternity that God's created for. And and in recognizing that, celebrate and give worship to God. If you're outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, can I just encourage you? Can Can I urge you to surrender your life to Jesus? to allow him to be the everlasting father and to bring new life to you. The author, the author of faith wants to to give you great grace today. And so what I want you to do as we get ready to respond to the Lord, at at both of our campuses, at the North Platte campus just right now here at the Kearney campus, whether you're on the floor or in the loft, I want you to grab that connection card. It's Write down every single person, everybody do it. Some of you are just looking at me. Come on, do it. Come on, you're being rebellious right now. Come on, all right, all right. You don't wanna do it, but do it, all right. At our North Platte campus, I want you to grab that up in the loft. It's gonna be in the seat in front of you. If you're sitting in the front, you're gonna have to reach around behind you. If you have someone sitting in front of you, grab that card and just hand them one. And before you leave, I want everybody to, I want everybody to do it because I, I don't know where you might be at. You may have been serving God for 75 years, but maybe today is the day that that God is urging you and drawing you. If you're listening online, jump on the YouVersion Bible app at the very end. There's there's the gospel laid out for you, and there's a connection card digitally for you to respond. And I want you to have that card while we worship, while we sing and we respond to what God is saying, and in a moment... Our host pastors are going to come and they're going to give you an opportunity to publicly, in the sense of at your seat in front of everybody, not bringing you up on the platform, but in this moment to publicly just sign your name, write your name and say, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus today. There's a practical step of turning that in and letting us know so we can celebrate with you and help you move on to baptism and things that are just gonna help you grow in your spiritual relationship. But I want you to hang on to that card. If you're already a Christ follower, there may be some practical steps that you need to take. And I want you to, as we worship, as we respond, write down what is God saying to me to do in light of of what he said in this message today. So I want you to use that connection card as as a a point of response. But especially for those that today is your day to step over the line and give your life to Jesus. He's the author of faith. All you have to do is just respond. All you have to do is put your trust in him. All you have to do is just surrender your will and say, God, come into my life, take the lead, be my Lord, be my savior, my rescuer, be my generator, originator of everlasting life. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you that today the tomb is empty that you are alive. Jesus, that you are the eternal, everlasting God, that death had no victory over you, and that gives us hope that death is not the final word in our life, that there is an eternity that you've created us for. In this life, you created us for good works that others might glorify you, and you created us for eternity with you in heaven. God, I pray for my friends that today is their day to step over the line from their world, from their kingdom, where they're in charge into your kingdom, surrender to your lordship, your leadership. I pray for them that before they leave, before they leave the auditorium they're sitting in, before they turn off 
the stream on their computer, that they would put their trust in you, that today would be their day, that you come in, make your home in them, make them new, bring forgiveness of sin. And I pray for my friends that they're, they're doing their best to follow you and to serve you. And this busy time of year, it's so easy to get our eye off the most important thing. God, may we leave today rehearsing in our hearts that you are a wonderful counselor, indescribable who you are, how you want to counsel us and lead us and guide us, that you are a mighty God, that nothing is impossible for you. No circumstance we're facing is too big for you, that you are the everlasting Father. You came to provide grace. I pray in Jesus' name. Let's respond. Amen.